They are faster than a speeding bullet and more powerful than a locomotive. No, really, think about it. Able to assess student work at warp speed. Look, at the end of the hall, it's a mascot? It's a bus? Nope, it's a co-teaching pair. In last week's episode, we discussed the power of having an in-sync dynamic duo to support students. So, join our GLG Warriors 3 as we continue our quest to support co-teachers with a case study of heroic proportions and a utility belt full of strategies. Welcome back to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, La Capitana Casey Veach, team skeptic and idea slinger of spaghetti, Emily Coquelin, and me, clarifying the GLG butter, Jenny Labrie. We're back for part two, or would you call it the sequel, in our series on co-teaching. While in our last episode, we focused on some of the structures, systems, and knowledge that co-teachers need to start their partnership off on a successful trajectory. In this episode, we're going to teleport from the theoretical multiverse and take the Bifrost straight to a real-world polar opposite example pulled straight from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. In this sequel of our dynamic duo of episodes, our intention is to balance the other side of our metaphor bolstered example, as we do, on what can be done to support and grow a co-teaching team. All right, we ready, y'all? I'm going to take a crack at episode number three with me doing the facilitating, because as Casey said before we started rolling, she's got a nerd card that she has to uphold with our metaphor, (laughs) right? So, Casey... Can you give our listeners, anybody listening out there that has not yet listened to the previous episode, what's your one sentence summary of where we left off? Oh, God. One sentence? That's really a challenge. So in our last episode, we clarified two things, colon. First, (laughs) what the expectations and needs are for a co-teaching team. And second, what co-teaching looks like comma, specifically (laughs) the different co-teaching models, how you could really leverage both adults in the room, period. Well done. Wow. (laughs) It might be a run-on sentence, but we'll take it. From the co-teaching English right now department, I think her use of punctuation made it a properly punctuated sentence, so I'm going to give it to her. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. So, Emily... What was it that you were saying that we wanted to acknowledge, especially going into this episode and what we had talked about last episode when it came to matching and pairing people up? We talked about all of the different ways to set a team up for success, but leaders don't always have the ability to set things up in the fluffiest, most successful way. Sometimes co-teaching pairs are put together at the last minute. Sometimes there is a new hire. Sometimes there's an enrollment change. There's a lot of reasons why when we're pairing co-teaching teams together, of course, we want that optimal personality match, as we called it last time. But it's really hard to make that always the case in real life. And sometimes we just have to take the bag we're handed and do the best that we can do. So Sometimes co-teachers aren't always set up to be as successful as they could be, and And, we need to help them. (laughs) And I would just add to that, Emily, it's not exactly either just personality match. Sometimes the schedule doesn't allow someone who's done co-teaching in a math classroom to still co-teach in a math classroom the following year, sometimes based on the schedule. 
a co-teacher is placed in a content area that they are not familiar with, specifically right. if you're a specialist. So not even from personality, sometimes scheduling won't allow content specialists to be paired together in the most ideal fashion either. And that guaranteed co-planning that we mentioned that was really crucial for success. Sometimes the schedule just plain doesn't allow that either. So we want to lampshade the fact that we're aware that that optimal setup isn't always possible within the realistic scope of things. And then co-teaching teams struggle. And that's where we come in with this episode. Yeah. And as we like to do, we will ground it in some kind of metaphor. We're sticking with this one, leaning in hard to the multiverse, metaverse. What is it? Oh, it's so cute when you try. So in... So in our last episode, our intention really focused on, and even in the actual segments, focused on the DC universe with Batman and Robin, the sidekick and the main superhero. In this episode, we're really going to be parsing out what a co-teaching team may look like using characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because the beautiful thing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is you oftentimes more so than in DC, have well-rounded characters in equally balanced relationships. So that is why this episode we're focusing on two near and dear superheroes to my heart, Thor and Loki. And a caveat, as we explore this scenario, just wanted to let all of our listeners know out there, even though we're going to be putting Thor and Loki in a different context, they are still going to maintain their MCU personalities. So Loki is still going to be kind of mischievous, highly intelligent, highly skilled, and Thor is going to be Thor. So I know very little about Loki and Thor. I don't even know. What's the movie that these two came from? I mean, a bunch of movies. Uh, All of the Thor movies. Loki was the primary antagonist in the first Avengers movie. Casey is snorting and laughing because she's snorting so hard. (laughs) I know. I'm trying to answer this in good faith, but she can't. Like, most of the movies are called Thor. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Okay, and and an entire series called Loki. (laughs) Well, then, all I will tell you is that <laughs> Sorry, I, Denny. it's all right, because at least I know Chris Hemsworth was Thor, is Thor, whatever tense you want to use. So at least I can get on board, nice on the eyes. So let's move on. Oh, yeah. Forever Thor in our hearts, <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> so we've got a scenario that we're going to put them into to play this out to its end. So we've got a co-teaching team, Loki and Thor, right? Mr. Loki, Mr. Thor. And due to last minute changes and staffing two days before school started, like Casey's talking about with the scheduling, Mr. Loki and Mr. Thor were told they'd be working together. So Mr. Thor is an established high school math teacher. He's tapped on and is an instructional leader in the school. He knows his stuff. He knows it inside and out and is known for strong classroom routines and management. So that sets him up And then Loki is a third-year special education teacher. He's flexible and thinks outside the box. His strengths are community building and SEL. So you can see right there Uh that they have strengths. But what does that mean when you put them together? So let's start out with, do they have the personality match potential? What do you guys say? I think they've got potential. So keeping in with the fact that we're maintaining their personalities from the MCU, 
we watch their relationship grow and change throughout the course of several movies. They have the potential, but I think that there's going to need to be a lot of work at understanding each other and understanding each other's strengths that goes into that. But I do think that they could team together successfully. One of the things that it's important to remember about Thor and Loki is they do have a typical brotherly, although brothers from a different mother and father scenario, <laughs> they do have a brotherly friendship and relationship. And what I like about our scenario is we included that Loki does think outside the box. So if they can find a way to communicate with each other that works in a co-teaching team, what Loki is going to do is push Thor to grow and be more flexible with his ability to, in the cinematic universe, he's very manipulative and charming. And ultimately, that is why Thor consistently goes back to him and trusts him over and over again. So I think in that case, they have the potential to be a really good team together, so long as they can establish common ground. Both of them in this scenario really do want to be successful, and that looks like supporting and improving the learning of students. I really like what you're talking about with that finding common ground. And it even goes back Mm -hmm. to what we were talking about in part one of this dynamic duo of episodes, being proactive. And here's the thing, the scenario talks about it being like right up to the end before they determine that this is a pair. So I don't know how much time a leader is going to have to be proactive, as you guys were mentioning in the last episode, how important it is to set that up. But it's something that you would want to have on your radar in this particular case, because They have the potential, but you want to provide that space to cultivate that. And I think, too, it's important for them when they first get teamed up to have a conversation about what's my stake in the ground. Mm -hmm. Thor is ultimate say of it's got to be very, very structured. It's my way. I have trouble thinking divergently. Things are very linear in Thor's mind. Mm -hmm. And that is not how Loki works. So there's got to be a laying all out of here's what my needs are in this partnership. And here are what my strengths are. And that is really the first conversation that would have to happen between the two of them when they're paired. Yes. The personality typist in me is already seeing that Loki is a P at the end of his four set of letters and Thor is a J. So again, that's something that you have to consider when you're working with those two different personality types is that level of spontaneity that Loki is comfortable with. It does not do anything for Thor. So when you're looking Mm -hmm. to have them meet in the middle, you have to, like you said, Casey, figure out what their stake in the ground is. Where do you need spontaneity and wiggle room Loki and Thor? or what needs to be organized and linear for you to feel comfortable. But we have to Mm -hmm. honor both of their sets of wishes, and both of them have to find ways to compromise. There M goes. Bonus points on mentioning a previous episode. For those of you listening out there, Season 2, Episode 1, Personality Puzzle, gets all into the details on that one. So check it out. I can't help (laughs) myself. (laughs) (laughs) So let's move into that next question that we've got. So what is Thor's co-teaching kryptonite, and what does that look like for Loki? First and foremost, for those non-superhero folks, we need a little bit (laughs) of of context. No one we know. We're we're shifting back into DC. Right, shifting back into DC for a second. Kryptonite is the thing that absolutely sucks all the energy and power from Superman. So, what's the downfall? I'm going to start with Loki, if that's okay. Go ahead. Loki's downfall, his kryptonite is rules. 
right? Rules in his universe are made to be broken. And so when you tell Loki that here's a curriculum we have to get through and it must be followed in this exact scope and sequence, he's going to be like, um, yeah, no, I'm going to teach to the kids in front of me. I'm going to break that rule. And so he is going to need someone like Thor to bring him back and try to reframe things for him. And even if it's not Thor, maybe it's a coach or somebody else to try to give him support in, okay, so how do we break the rule while still doing the things that have to be done? Mm -hmm. I was going to say something similar, rules, and I think to some degree control. It's interesting, Jenny, that you had mentioned that he's known for classroom routines and management. He's a natural leader in some ways, Thor is, that that's going to be hard for him to flex where Loki is a natural rule breaker, Thor is a natural rule follower. That's going to be the primary source of conflict for them is that Thor likes to uphold the rules. And it's not just that he likes it, he feels it's his responsibility. He thrives. Yep. Yeah. He likes there to be set routines and procedures. And again, he's good at this. He helps students understand the routines and the students know what to do when they come into his class. But on the flip side, in terms of their emotional needs being met, it seems like Loki is the better source of that for them. So... Casey hit the nail on the head. Loki balks at rules. Thor needs them. Where's the middle ground? So what do we do with that? It's the two of them having an awareness of number one, what the other person's kryptonite is, and providing the rapport or the relationship or the team dynamic to say, hey, man, this is you breaking the rule a little bit. What would it look like if... We still taught the same curriculum, but we changed how we delivered it to the students. Maybe we shift to more inquiry questioning instead of they read the passage, or we get them to consider an image first before we dive into the text, trying to find maybe a little break but ultimately bring Loki back to toe the line. There's a power in knowing what your strengths and areas for growth are. And we've said this on this podcast a number of times, but in this particular instance, what we're talking about here is when you're in a co-teaching pair, you really have to be acutely aware of who you are and what you're about, as well as your co-teacher, and have to have that open and honest dialogue early and often to be able to work through some of that. So it's not friction, but more so that you can play on those strengths and be at your absolute best for the students in front of you. Also, you have to ask what Casey already said earlier. Somebody has to actually ask them, what is your stake in the ground? What is your line in the sand? Rules is pretty broad. If Mr. Thor at some point can change from saying, I need everything to be followed the way it's structured, and can just say, I need the students to meet the objectives. That's a different story. They could meet the objectives just in a different order. They could meet the objectives, but then if Mr. Loki says, but those SEL standards, or all of a sudden we are both adhering to a set of rules and standards now that we want to make sure that the students are hitting, so how do we incorporate them both? I think we need to ask them that question. And along those lines also, I would say that there might be some benefit to not just always coaching or working with them together, but possibly doing some individual coaching with them to get them to voice that line in the sand in the way that they are comfortable. Yeah, no doubt. So last episode, we had talked about the different models of co-teaching. There were several that we went into detail. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, go back. There's some really great information on the one teach, one assist, the parallel model, complementary, station, alternative, and teaming. So moving right along with this scenario, what is Thor's and... Loki's co-teaching model that they're likely to use naturally. 
we've hinted at it through the conversation mm-hmm. being that Thor really likes structure and routine. So they're going to naturally gravitate towards one teach, one assist. And that is going to drive Loki up the flipping wall. <laughs> oh, yeah. He'd he hate that. does <laughs> not like to be put into a box in a back burner, Mm-mm. like not have the limelight. So what actually is going to happen is that relationship is really going to be a breeding ground for resentment. Mm -hmm. And any opportunity that Mr. Loki gets to undercut and get under the skin of Mr. Thor is going to happen because that's where they're going to fall just naturally since Thor likes to be in charge. I agree completely. That's where things would naturally go. Unfortunately, because this was a last minute pairing and a lot of times new partnerships tend to trend that way, at least to start with, while they get a feel for things. The one who's typically responsible for instruction and curriculum in that content area usually will take the lead, whereas the one who's in the specialist role often gets relegated to the sidelines. But I think you're right. Mm -hmm. With personalities being maintained, Loki would not be able to sit for that for long, and it would not be long at all before the students start to see that level of resentment and distrust radiating from Mr. Loki when the opportunity for him to speak comes up. We need to be really careful making sure that they get that coaching and that opportunity to work with a coach early and quickly before that problem is already on the table. So then you guys talk about which one they would be more naturally inclined to present as their co-teaching model just by de facto de facto right right. (laughs) which one do you think is one you would recommend for those two knowing who they are and what they're about the one that i would recommend for those two so that both of them feel that sense of purpose burdened with glorious purpose if i'm to quote loki (laughs) in the avengers nice nice bonus would be be station right because stations you've got both of them having a lesson that they're supporting students on that is differentiated based on the students' needs. Loki is going to thrive in stations. Mm -hmm. And so part of the struggle is going to be to get Thor to take baby steps to go into station co-teaching as a model because he is going to drag his feet as mm-hmm. much as possible. So you're going to have to take baby steps in order to get there. But once they're finally able to get there, Thor is going to love it because he's still able to have that structure, have the routines, be the primary content provider. But they're both complementing each other during station's work. Excellent. And well done on the quote there. Thank you. Your nerd <laughs> card is upheld. Is officially renewed. Renewed. <laughs> Was it expired or soon to? (laughs) No, your nerd card was never not intact. But seriously, I have not watched any of the new Avengers stuff. I think the last thing I watched was, not that you need to know, but WandaVision. That was the last thing I watched. That was so so good. I enjoyed it too. And once again, Jenny has no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So for the last one, if you were coaching these two, how would you recommend them leveling up? for their partnership and their team? So first and foremost, I would have conversations with each of them to actualize what would this particular lesson have looked like if we had done it 
parallel? What would the benefits have been to both of you teaching the lesson at the same time? And that actualization is going to help a teacher like Thor because he's going to be able to get more formative data on what the kids actually know because there's a fewer number of kids in front of them. And then from parallel teaching, moving into alternative and then to stations, really outlining this is where we want to go next to keep leveling up the team as a whole. Agree. And another thing I would try to do is help them work on some structures for their person-to-person communication with each other. Because at some point or another, the coach is going to exit that relationship. I mean, we as coaches are always there for our people, of course. But at some point or another, they have to be able to communicate with each other, Mm -hmm. co-plan and work together and get their instruction going without the coach there to bridge the gap. So one of the things I think is important is to start creating some conversation structures for them to learn how to communicate with each other and figure out not just what their own line in the sand is and say it to the coach, but to figure out with each other what they want to say. Using student-centered language is a really good way to keep that done. Because Casey, you said that earlier, but they both want what's best for their students. And if you can get them to frame it that way with each other, it's going to help. So I actually have looked a lot at Having Hard Conversations by Jen Abrams. I know that's technically like leader to employee type of conversations usually when they're in that book. But one of the things I've done is adapted some of those conversation stems to use when you just need a way of communicating, I need something to change to your partner. So changing some of the stems out instead of like, here's what we need. You can say, what do the students need? What would this look like in action? What does the co-teacher do to make that happen? And so forth. So that's all there in Abrams's book. And I don't want to totally spoil the heck out of that because that might be another episode for us someday down the road. But uh, (laughs) in any case, I would say though providing stems and structures for them to learn how to bring up what they need from each other and what small adaptations they can make for each other and what they are going to do for the other one in turn to make that work. In terms of systems and structures too, another thing that we often coach teams through doing is a plus, a delta, and an Rx. So the delta being what would you change? And then the prescription would be, well, okay, so how would we make that change into a reality? And starting any planning conversation or document what went well with the lesson, what would you change about it? And how might that change or what might that change look like? Yeah, those protocols are really helpful, especially in detaching some of the emotions or the struggles maybe that they're feeling in putting it into a more concrete, tangible language to identify, like you said, the prescription to solve whatever they possibly are needing to work through. We've talked so much about coaching. It's no surprise here that we're biased and we fully endorse coaching and what it can do, (laughs) not only for co-teaching, but just across the board with any kind of profession, right? And we also talked, as Casey mentioned, about the structures that we can work through when there are possible needs or disagreements that are happening. But let's address the elephant in the room. When things go awry, and sometimes they do, now what? First, it is a good idea to have at the ready during that initial conversation what the either building or district expectations are for co-teaching. Because when things go awry, either with a coach or one of the teachers in the pair is able to have that third thing to bring up their concerns with that co-teacher. So, for example, if co-teachers are not sharing instructional space, if Loki feels like he cannot 
take an active role in classroom instruction. And if that is a part of our expectations, Loki can say, hey, Thor, one of the expectations for us is that we share instructional space. What I would like to do is to feel like a bigger part of this class. And I would really love to take our kids who didn't perform well on that last test and provide some additional instruction to help support them. That would make me feel like I was playing a bigger role in our classroom. So having those expectations handy can help when a co-teaching pair starts to feel resentment. Bingo. What you mentioned about bringing it back to the students and their performance, some data, some current reality could really help in that regard too. So we've talked a lot about current reality and you need to bring it back to the students. You mentioned the students that might not be performing as well and might need some support. When you think about a class like that, when your specialist to help support the student needs in that class has been relegated to the sidelines, dollars to donuts, that's showing up in student performance. We need to get back to how the students are performing and how they're doing on assessment. You may also want to look at MTSS issues and other types of things that are coming up in the class with the students themselves, behavioral issues, and start considering a way of framing what Mr. Loki can bring to the table for Mr. Thor through the lens of, you are a great teacher, but you're not getting everybody what do we do for these other guys? No doubt when you put on this focus of our conversations on students, that's really going to mitigate a lot of the conflict in the sense that it's really hard, if at all, to find an educator that isn't truly in it for the kids, right? So that can help refocus that. But I'm just going to go there sometimes, and maybe not in Thor and Loki's case, but sometimes it can be either toxic or really just unhealthy, or let's just say because it is so that the students really are not going to get what they need out of this pairing. Is there anything else? What's left? Naming it, number one. And sometimes it can be helpful to either have a principal or a coach facilitate that conversation. But we've heard of co-teaching partners of pairs that have said, this is not a good match, but it's October and we still have the rest of the year to get through. So we may not get along. We may not like each other, but we have to try to make this work so that our students can succeed as much as possible with the understanding that this partnership may not continue in the future. Usually if there's a deadline, like a drop dead date of this is going to be done June 30th, people can make it work for that period of time. So there won't be a sequel on this. If this were Thor and Loki, we're not getting another movie out of them. Now, I would say maintaining Marvel personalities, though. I think once we've framed it around mm -hmm. what they really both have common ground and what they both care about, in this case, the students. In the movies, it's Asgard. But I would say... <laughs> Asgard! Asgard? Asgard! Asgard! <laughs> Head on a swivel. All right. <laughs> Asgard. Sorry. Asgard is what they both care about. And also, I would say in this classroom scenario, it's how they both want their students to be successful. They both care deeply for kids. Another thing where maintaining personalities you could get them both to is I do think both Loki and Thor like a little bit of humor in the classroom. As much of a... Correct the proverbial Boy Scout as Thor can be, he does have a good sense of humor. And if they can get the kids laughing and get themselves laughing and can have a little bit of levity in some of their conversations where it's not all just heavy, heavy, serious, you're going to see their classroom demeanor improve. You're going to see their conversations improve and you're going to see them do better. All right, guys. Well done. We made it through. Are we ready for a game? Yeah. Hi. And it's part two 
We did it in the first one. We've got some new pairings, but I'm going to hand it over to our game czar. Absolutely. So once again, we're doing a this or that. And our first one, we're going to kind of do, no, it's DC. No, it's both. Uh Uh-oh. Can I do that over? No. Can I do that over? No. If you have to keep Asgard in there. Keep it, and I'm keeping it in there so we can see that there are times when Veach might mess up when it comes to this metaphor. No, she's just tired. Keep her nerd card. <laughs> so we're going to do her this or that. And we're going to choose between two amazing female superheroes. Wonder Woman, Diana Prince, or Jean Grey, a.k.a. Phoenix from X-Men. So which one would you choose? I mean, choose for what? I think there's so (laughs) many, like, who's your BFF? Who do you want to save you? I think that's a really tricky question. To me, it's not. (laughs) Then you go. (laughs) Go ahead. To me, it's Diana Prince all the way. It's Wonder Woman. The new reboot of the Wonder Woman franchise is my ringtone on my phone. There's something about Diana Prince's confidence And the way that she rushes forth into battle with the best interests, her purpose and heart on her sleeve, that to me, I will pick her anytime because I wish I had that confidence. I have to explain my struggle here. I grew up really into X-Men. I love the X-Men. But that said, Jean alone needs her team. She is not able to stay balanced and even always stay on the right side of things on her own. She struggles, goes dark Phoenix and scares everybody. So I need to say by default, Wonder Woman, even though, sorry, Casey, I don't find Wonder Woman all that interesting. I just think she's more reliable. So I'm going to go with it. Last episode, I cheated with what I chose. You chose both. You cheated hard. <laughs> you chose both and you chose Charlotte <laughs> instead of Batman. <laughs> or Spider-Man. You're or Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I don't even have the right <laughs> Batman. I don't even have the right animal. Damn it. Charlotte's Batcave. <laughs> <laughs> the classic novel. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. I, I'm, I'm just going to go with by those descriptions that you had for Wonder Woman and Phoenix. I think I saw Wonder Woman. I will give you that, Casey. I think I actually watched that one. I'll go with Wonder Woman because she is everything you said. Ready? Next. (laughs) But but because I'm a big giant nerd, I really like, Emily, that description you gave where Jean needs her team. And I also am now currently wavering because I can relate to that dramatically. Yep. So I wanted to give you a little shout out for actually making me consider about changing. But then I saw my phone case and it's Wonder Woman and I'm like, oh, forget it. (laughs) I mean, you can keep it. I think you can count on Diana to save the day. But I think when you think about a a properly Mm -hmm. grounded in their guild individual, Jean Jean has a guild. So anyways, I'll stick with my choice but i'm glad i made a compelling case (laughs) yes you did it's awesome all right so our next pairing this one again may be rough for some of us (laughs) um this or that and i'm not just meaning you because i'm looking at these two options and i'm really torn myself the winter soldier bucky barnes aka played by sebastian stan or falcon played by anthony mackie I mean, again, it's hard because they're good together. You don't want them by themselves. Shoot. 
I love Falcon, right? Because he's similar to Bruce Wayne in that he doesn't have superpowers. He just has really awesome tech. And he puts himself out there knowing that for him, there's a lot of risk involved. But I also like my superheroes broken. And that's Bucky Barnes. (laughs) So I'm having a really hard time choosing between the two. Well, I'll pick first merely on what they get to wear. And I'm picking Falcon because he's got some sweet shades and those wings. (laughs) I'll take that and soar over the city. Um, I'm just trying to separate the attractiveness of Sebastian Stan <laughs> out of my brain right now. I'm really struggling. But I think I have to use the same criteria I used with Wonder Woman and Jean Grey and who would I find reliable, who would I count on. And I think the Winter Soldier has so much baggage that, again, he can be a bit of a loose cannon, so I'm going with Falcon. Mm-hmm. Also, I think he is very pure of heart. And he works really, really hard to be a very good superhero. And I feel like I could trust him with my life. Falcon, you're my guy. Can I cheat like Jenny and say them both? Oh, no. I had to choose. Oh, my God. Like, seriously, this is making my heart hurt. You are the one that wrote this. I know. I am the worst. (laughs) I kill myself. (laughs) I'm going to go, I think, with the Winter Soldier because everyone loves a good redemption story and so me just as much so i am going to choose the winter soldier because of his amazing redemption story and out of touch references to things but again so difficult so difficult because falcon is fantastic that one aka the new captain america (laughs) you guys I am so grateful that i am done facilitating these two episodes And it's been a fun run, but there's a reason we have roles, right, y'all? I'm just going to wrap this up, and I'm going to pass it once more over to Emily for our taste of what's to come. So just like at least two-thirds of us find superheroes really engaging, (laughs) I think it's time for us all to start talking about the topic of engagement. Our next episode is going to be all about engagement, the holy grail thing that we all want and are going for. But we're going to dig in more on that one in the next one, so hope you can join us. And that's a wrap. It's so good to be behind the mics talking to you all. Thanks for choosing to come around to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teams. If you'd like to connect, the power of the PLN continues as always, and you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at Tech Coach M and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Do you even realize your feedback is everything? Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already or are finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review as well as subscribing? You can find us wherever you stream. Thanks as always for tuning in to be a part of the Grounded Learners Guild. That's it for us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode. See you at the next Guild meeting. And don't forget, in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.